0: just stay standing and we'll uh, open in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come around the Word of God, which is alive and active and powerful. Father, we ask that it would penetrate and divide our soul and flesh and spirit today, and that, Lord, it would change us to be more into your image. Father, empower me to speak your word, anoint me and anoint the ears to hear, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. of you ever watched the news? I try not to make a habit of it because um, it's not a very uplifting experience, is it? In fact, it's almost to the point that it would need to be M-rated, I think. It's uh, not appropriate, really, to have on when children are around. All right. So, I want to talk today about when darkness seems to prevail. If we look at our society, we can see things are going in the wrong direction, right? Um, there's this sort of saying, and the older people in the room would know this, well, back in the day, or back in my day, and I'm only 40, but I'm already saying, well, back in my day. But uh, when I was a kid... We were taught respect, right? But this generation, if we could characterize it in maybe one word, would disrespect be a pre, disrespectful be a pretty apt description of you know. Yes. It's amazing, isn't it? And I get, sometimes I get really discouraged by the wickedness I see around me and the darkness I see around me. And In fact, it's not just that, it's worse than that, in that now, if you are standing for what was once known as good, you're considered bad. And if you have an opposing opinion to evil, you are the evil one. The Bible talks about a time when good would be called evil and evil would be called good, and evil would even be celebrated. That's our generation. Now, sometimes you might be like me and you can feel a bit discouraged. You can feel the darkness encroaching all around us. And maybe you're wondering why the wicked are advancing and the righteous are being silenced. Why is it they seem to have all the voice and we don't seem to get any? Our hearts cry out, How long, O Lord? How long will you allow this to continue? How long, David said, until you avenge your people? I usually want to just, if you want to just turn to Psalm, the book of Psalms, please. And it's Psalm 37. I, I just love how relevant the Bible is. Who brought their Bibles with them, by the way? Did any of you bring an electronic form or something? Show me your hand if you've got a form of a Bible. That's awesome. I love it. Then you can check out what I'm saying. Make sure I'm not doing a dodgy, hey? <laughs> right. So Psalm thirty-seven. you do it, Look, this is like it was written for me. I'm actually going to put my name in front. Verse one, Psalm thirty-seven one. Anita. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Verse 2, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. I want to jump across to verse 12. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. And I'm going to come back to this and and reiterate this later. Verse 13 says, But the Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. That's my happy verse, seriously. That is my happy place right there. But this is like it was written for me, don't fret because of evildoers. And it's good that he says that there because we're going to go over now to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this is written now nearly 2,000 years ago. But my goodness, it is perfect for today. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says this, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. And then verse thirteen says, "But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived." What a perfect description of our generation, and I'm so glad it said, "Look, don't fret." About evil, because I read all that and I go, Yes, that's exactly what's happening, and I can't stand the wickedness of this world. And, and, And yes, it is growing worse and worse. There's so much deception out there now, so many godless agendas, so much twisting of the truth, it's actually hard to know what source to believe. Basically, unless it's in the Bible, It has a question mark for me as to whether it's true because where is truth now? Well, you could listen to one TV channel and they will have one slant on life that they will present to you. You can listen to another and get another slant. But how do you know who's actually reporting the facts these days? How do you know who's actually telling the truth? A further description of what we're seeing right now is found in Isaiah 59. And we're actually going to go through this whole chapter together um, because this is a word for today. Isaiah 59, and I'm going to start with verse 1 to 15. Behold, I love that word. Basically, it means stop and look. Have we got your attention? Behold. Behold. The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. So the problem is not God. Phew, he's still on the throne. I'm happy. There is a but that comes though. It says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Honestly, there are in almost every nation now, hands defiled with blood. The blood of the innocent cries out to God. And the blood of innocent children cries out to God from all over the world. Your lips have spoken lies and your tongue has muttered perversity. How many lies are out there at the moment? Have you noticed all the politicians accuse everybody else of being the liars? (laughs) I think they're lying about who's lying. (laughs) I wouldn't know anymore. That's true. It says they deceive themselves. Look at this. This is where I feel like we're at. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch viper's eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. (coughs) Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. I'm in verse 9, look at this. Therefore, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as a twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking of oppression and revolt, how many revolts are we seeing all over the world? <clears throat> Conceiving and uttering from the word from the heart words of falsehood. Look at verse 14: Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Seriously, that is where we're at. He who departs from evil is now a target. <clears throat> Sorry. Wow, that was a whole lot of awe. Oh. But it does get better, I promise you, okay? <laughs> but how and when will God deal with this present darkness? I actually want to go right back to the beginning. You know, it says in Isaiah that God spoke the end from the beginning wait till you see what we're about to uncover this morning. This gets so good. I apologize in advance if I get a little bit excited, but you all know me by now (laughs) and I can't help it. All right. Genesis chapter one, verse one and two. Now we probably all know these verses, but I want to look at them in a different light. We're going to look at the very first time darkness is mentioned in the Bible because this is going to give us a clue as to how God is going to deal with darkness, alright? So Genesis 1-1 In the beginning God What a wonderful place to start Created the heavens and the earth That is a beautiful verse But then we have verse 2 And verse 2 is a lot like what I just read. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So the meaning in Hebrew for the word void there, it actually is even worse than just void. So it says the earth was without form and void meaning a formless chaotic mess, a waste, a worthless thing, emptiness and desolation for no purpose, for nothing. Wow. So God is looking at this chaotic mess, this emptiness, this desolation, this darkness, this void. And what does he do in the face of? Of this, or, well, we keep reading, hey? Verse 3, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night So the evening and the morning were the first day. The first thing God did when he was confronted with darkness was to call forth the light. Now, I find this extremely interesting. You know, nothing is by coincidence in the Bible. So if you look, if you've got your Bible open, have a look there for me. Um, Let me see what verse that is, if it's three or four. Verse five, sorry. In my Bible, it's got God called the light day and day has a capital letter. Who else has a capital letter for day? Yeah? All right. And he called the darkness night. Who else has a capital letter for night? All right. That caught my attention because all the rest of that passage, day and night, are lowercase. But here, they're uppercase. Darkness has a name. He called the darkness night. I want you to tuck that away because we're going to get back to that later. And he called the light day. Okay. Look at this. Genesis 1, 16 to 18. Then this is day four now. Then God made two great lights. I want to pause there. That word lights in the original Hebrew means luminaries. He made two great luminaries. The greater light, can you say for me greater? Greater. greater. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light. Can you say lesser? Lesser. <sighs> the lesser light to rule the night. Mmm. And he made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. Okay. Here's God's plan for darkness. There is coming one who will rule over the night. The greater light will one day rule over the lesser light. And here is a prophetic promise right in the beginning of Genesis that one day God has a plan for this darkness called night. And he is going to deal with it. And we see this now in Isaiah 59. It changes. First, it was saying, you know, truth has fallen in the streets. Justice is nowhere to be found in society. If you are good, a good and god fearing person, you've now become a prey for others in this wicked world. And it finishes down, goes into this. Verse 15. I'll read the whole verse. So truth fails and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it. And it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. And his own righteousness, it sustained him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. The coastlands he will fully repay. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west i just love this and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the lord will lift up a standard against him the redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I've put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. Oh, I love that. The Redeemer will come. Well, guess what? The Redeemer came. He came. That word, Redeemer, in the original implies redemption secured through an atoning sacrifice. That kind of Redeemer who would lay down his life for a sin-ridden world. He came. The Lord provided his own answer to the mess he saw. He became his own intercessor. I love how it says the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. We look back to the original pattern in Genesis and we see the spirit of the Lord there hovering. It might have looked wasteless and void and barren and absolutely desolate, But the spirit was hovering. And then as the word was spoken, light came forth. No matter how dark it gets, I want you to know that the spirit of God is here. And he's ready to bring the light of Christ to you and to your world. Oh. We're going to have a look. I've always got to have a story because I love stories. I think that's why Jesus gave us so many stories. He knew we could relate to them, right? John chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. If you want to turn there, feel free. It says this. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, Who sinned, that this uh, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, you know, I know that there's a saying that says, there's no dumb question. Just ask, right? There's no dumb question. But to me, this has got to come pretty close to being a dumb question. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? How do you sin in the womb? He kicked his mum one too many times. I mean... This is a dumb question to me. And what parent out there hasn't sinned? So why wasn't every child born blind if it was because of the parents' sin? So that doesn't make sense either, does it? Have you known a perfect parent? No. I have. I was one until I had kids. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. I could tell you how a parent, I was pro at it. And then I had children. And I said, Father, forgive me for I've sinned every day. Well, this is just a strange question. But I'm glad. I'm glad they asked it because it actually unfolds one of the greatest stories in the New Testament. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, verse 4, I'm going to tell you this verse has been on my heart for about eight months. I can't get away from it. It's like a prophetic warning in my ears. Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. There's that word again. The night is coming when no one can work. While we still have an opportunity to present the gospel, we must work while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This man was blind because the purpose of God was to reveal to the entire world, then And even now, because we still read these words 2,000 years later, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He chose to reveal himself as the light of the world to a man born blind. How appropriate. But the truth is, every single one of us were born blind. And we had to come into the light. We had to meet the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. I just wonder in this moment if Jesus had a flashback to Genesis chapter 1. When, and and chapter 1 and chapter 2, when it says he, he got some dust of the ground, and he made man in his own image. Here is the creator in front of a blind man, and he begins to deal with the clay. You know, I made eyes originally. Puts it on his, the uh, clay on his eyes. I am your creator. Now go and wash in the pool of So he went and washed and came back seeing. Honestly, the Bible so often to me just seems like we could have had a few more adjectives in there. Don't you think? He went, he washed, he came back seeing. This man's never seen anything. Can you imagine that? He's washing off the clay. And where the clay was, the Creator has now created eyeballs. And and he washes and he opens eyes that work for the first time. Can you imagine the people around the pool? What's this blind man doing? Why is he he looking at me like that? It's almost like he can see me. (laughs) That'd be weird, wouldn't it? You know he's the blind man. But he, he doesn't get out of the pool like this, you know, feeling his way up the wall. He gets out of the pool like this because he can see. Oh, I just, I hope they replay some of these moments in heaven. Wouldn't that be awesome? Let's just have the biggest screen ever. I mean, God can use the whole sky and go, you want you want to see what happened? Yes, please. I want to see that moment when he sees light for the first time. Oh, wow. You know, we actually have, that moment when we give our life to Christ, our spirit comes alive when we see the light. We're never the same again. The blind man in darkness meets the light of the world. Just love that. We must work while it is day. The night is coming. How is the Lord going to deal with the night? Well, I told you that Genesis tells us The end from the beginning. And remember it said that the greater light would rule? Wow, let's have a look at this. We're going to go all the way to the end to Revelation chapter 21. Oh, I'm about to get my shouting shoes on, I tell you. Okay, I'm starting in verse 1, 1 to 4. Now, this is John, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. When I first read that, I'm sorry, I'm just going to digress for a minute. I was so sad. How many like walking along the ocean? Isn't that just the best? And hearing the of the waves and feeling the sand beneath your feet, smelling the salt water. New heaven and new earth, oh, it's going to be amazing. What? No more sea? Lord, I don't want to tell you how to do things, but, yeah, you know, the sea's nice. Am I the only one who likes the ocean or what? <laughs> but you know where there is a scripture that says he cast our sins into the midst of the sea? And this new heaven and new earth, there is no sin. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And verse 22, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honour into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. That is in the parentheses. Oh, by the way, there's no night there. But I see that and go, wait a minute. Genesis 1. What happened to the darkness that was called night? Night. Well, right at the end of the Bible in Revelation, it tells us there is no night there. There is only the day. There is no more darkness. The Lamb is its light. And there will be no night there ever. Wow. This is the kind of God we serve. So if we go back to Psalm 27, where it says, the Lord laughs at them. He sees their end. He knows the outcome. Uh, not 27, 37, sorry. Let's just go back there. Psalm 37. 42. Yeah. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees his days are coming. Look at verse 14. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy and to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. And all through Psalm 37, again and again and again it says, the meek shall inherit the earth, but the wicked will not be remembered. They'll not be there. They'll go. They'll not last. They'll not endure. Again and again, the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. They will not inherit the land. It's it's so good because David was having the same sort of moment that I'd had where I see the news, I see the stuff happening and I say, Lord, how long are you going to allow this stuff? How long are you going to allow people to mock you and, and, and to trample your laws and to to change what you have set? How long are you going to allow society to just slip further and further down into deprivation? But here he clearly says, no, there is a day. Remember Jesus said, I must work while it is a day because the night is coming when no one can work. There is one night season. It is the tribulation period spoken of in Revelation. When the lesser light will try to rule the night for seven years. But after that time, it says the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints and thousands and thousands riding on a white horse and slays his enemies. We know how this ends. You know what? God is a God of justice. And I can put my trust and my confidence in him. He's never going to let me down. He's never going to let you down. But one thing that I am praying above all others right now is what they prayed in the early church in the book of Acts. You know, the early church didn't have an easy time of it. If you were a follower of Jesus, there was a good chance you'd be dragged off to prison, you'd be killed, thrown to the lines, later burned at the stake. It was not an easy time to come to God. But we read that daily people were added to the church. And what was the prayer of the early church? They had one prayer. They said, God, grant us boldness to share your word. Do you know Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then he also said, you are the light of the world. So he has transferred that to us. We now contain the light of the world within us. And our calling is to go and to bring light into the darkness because the light rules the day and the darkness cannot overcome it. So I pray and I pray in earnest to God for every one of you and for every one of you watching online and every one of you who will watch this in the future. My earnest prayer for this church is for boldness in the days to come. If you look around, if you watch the news sometimes, you will see they're trying to silence Christians. They don't want our voice. They don't want what we stand for. But I pray that the more they try and silence us, the more the spirit of the Lord fills us with boldness and that when we get an opportunity, we become the light of the world to someone in darkness. And we bring them from darkness to light. Oh. You know, this evangelism course is going to be amazing. We have been called, and that has never changed. Go into all the world and bring the good news. How much more appropriate is it to bring good news now when there's so much bad news? In fact, how much more does the good news stand out when there's so much bad news? We need to bring the good news to all who are in the darkness, that they may see the light. Look, I hope you are um, encouraged by Isaiah 59, even though it describes a very wicked generation, unrepentant in their hearts, completely full of iniquity. It also talks about the wonder of who's to come and the one who will one day bring justice to all things. So I hold on to that, even when it seems like there's no truth out there, We have the truth, amen? We have the truth. And I find if I read this and then watch the news, I know what's true. This already told me. This already enlightened me as to who to believe and what to believe and and how and when and why. The Bible is our source of truth. Jesus is the truth and he is the way. And, And so if we keep him as our focus, oh my goodness. You know, um, I pray this week that you are so full of the Holy Spirit and so full of the light of God that all those around you in darkness will be drawn to the light like a moth to a flame. In Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet with me today? The first thing I want to do is I want to give an opportunity. There might be some people who feel like that blind man They've been in darkness their whole life. They haven't actually encountered Jesus, the light of the world. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to meet him today, to have your spiritual eyes open for the first time, to know what it's like to not be in guilt and shame and darkness and regret and sin, but to experience the light of Christ. If you just bow your heads with me in this place, If you're here and you say, Anita, that's me. I've been in darkness, but I want to come into the light. I just want you to raise your hand to acknowledge that. I'm not here to embarrass you, but I am here to see you saved for eternity. Anita, that's me. Just raise your hand. If you're looking online, you want to be included, you can raise your hand or just acknowledge in your heart she's speaking to me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's not a magic prayer. It's not the prayer that's going to save you. The Bible says that we are saved by faith in Jesus alone. That if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. That is an eternal promise we have straight from God. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you want to be included, you just say these words after me. Heavenly Father... I come to you as a sinner. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me from my sins. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I believe you rose from the dead. And I confess you are my Lord. Make me part of your family. From this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know, someone just had the lights come on, and that's an awesome moment. Why don't we give God a hand for that? Thank you. Thank I'd just like to pray for you now. So if you just want to bow your heads again, Father God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. Lord, if they're being discouraged by the darkness and the wickedness of this world around them, I pray that you would encourage their hearts today, that you laugh at your enemies because you see their day is coming. Father, I ask for these people to be filled with, with boldness, by your Holy Spirit, to go and be the light in the darkness around them. Father, I thank you for keeping them, preserving them from all evil, Lord, preserving them in all their comings and goings, Father, and that, Lord, you would absolutely, completely fill them with your love afresh today, in Jesus' name, amen amen. amen. amen.